This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi friends, I'm Tim Whitaker and welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. The New Evangelicals is an inclusive, Jesus-centered community that holds space for people marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and helps you explore the Christian tradition beyond the basement of evangelical fundamentalism. This podcast is part of that work, so join us as we talk to people from all walks of life, lending their expertise and wisdom to us as we renegotiate our faith and find better paths forward. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. Great to be with you. Have you checked out Friday's special episode of my experience at Turning Point Faith? If you have not, I highly recommend it. Also, check out the YouTube video where all the cool graphics are. It's really worth listening to. I would love your feedback on it. On this episode, I brought on Janice and Tiff, who were featured on the most recent Hillsong documentary that was uh, debuting or that was on FX. And I'll let them give their position on it, but I will just say they had a lot of thoughts on the documentary regarding how they portrayed Carl, how they portrayed Hillsong. So this was one of, um, you know, it's an episode really with two friends. I've met Tiff and Janice multiple times in person. I see them as friends. um, And it was really important for me to give them another platform to really give their unfiltered, unedited thoughts on the documentary. So that's what this episode is about. Okay, do not skip ahead. I have a big announcement. It is official. We are going back to Trip Fuller's Theology Beer Camp in October. It's happening. And listen, this time I'm kind of like co-hosting the the whole beer camp thing with Trip. Him and I are kind of working together to plan it. I'm really excited because we're really aiming to help people who are maybe new to this deconstructing thing or who are looking for better ways forward to kind of think about that on a deeper level. So this beer camp is really designed for people like you. Uh, It is very theological. Listen, I'm not a big beer drinker, okay? Let me just say, I don't really drink a whole lot. This is all about meeting people. It's about the theology. It's It's about being in the same room with some of the scholars who you probably have heard of. You might even listen to some of their podcasts. Now, the the lineup is not announced yet, but... Tickets or the pre-sale tickets are available now. You can go to the link in our show notes and check them out and pick them up. It really helps us gauge interest for, for what we should plan for, but I promise you we are working feverishly to get the lineup confirmed and out. I have people like you in mind when we're picking the sessions and the scholars and the podcasters and everything. So this is going to be a great event. It's happening October, I think 18th, um, if memory serves me right. And so Yes, get ready. It's, it's a three-day event. I'm oh, sorry. It's the 19th through the 21st, October 19th through the 21st. I'm telling you, it's a great time. And Noah is coming. 
Noah is our podcast producer, and he has not been on the airwaves in a long time because he changed jobs and our schedules are, it seems like they're always fighting each other, but Noah is still with us, still doing the editing. Hi, Noah. Thanks for doing this work. And he will be joining me at Beer Camp. So go to the link in our show notes, grab some tickets. We'll announce the lineup soon. It's going to be a great time. All right, friends, without further ado, here is my episode with Tiff and Janice. I hope you enjoy it. Boom. All right, friends and friends on the screen. Hello. <laughs> so good to see uh, Janice and Tiff. People don't realize that, well, not all people realize that I am only about an hour and a half by train from the city, and we've all hung out before uh, several times. Tiff, I met you at least once in person with your two yeah. friends. We nerded out about Marvel stuff for a long time. And Janice, yeah. you and I have hung out quite a few times now. Uh, and so it's always good to to get both of you in the same digital room with me to talk about some stuff. And my goodness, we got something big to talk about tonight. And I am so excited to have you on. I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful for it. Before I do that, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself briefly to the audience? Janice, why don't you uh, go ahead and go first? Okay, so I am Janice Legata. Uh, you may know me as God has not given. I am uh, an ex-evangelical fiend uh a menace <laughs> or or a miracle uh depending on your your perspective so yeah. yeah and i do feel like sometimes you're a glutton for punishment like like you just like like seeing things that make you angry all the time and i'm like uh you know i i i, I suffer the same problem okay I'm like, wait a minute hot kettle like Wow, Tim. Wow. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> my my partner's always like, why do you do this to yourself? As I'm triggered on Twitter, rage tweeting over something that, you know, some Christian nationalist said. So solidarity, yeah. Janice. All and right. honestly, and we'll yeah. get into it. But like honestly, I you may not I do not go looking for trouble. <laughs> like I really do stay in my lane. I do my thing and I I don't go looking for things. So when I do get irritated, aggravated, whatever, it's usually sent to me or it comes to me. Like I don't yeah. Fair enough. I'm I'm a always innocent <laughs> like a lint. So oh, I love it. <laughs> I am to Perez. I um I don't even know. I'm a feisty Latina New Yorker. So that's how I will like label myself really. Um, I get involved when people are being a little too extra with mm. people that I love and care about. Um, and then the stereotypical uh, spicy spiciness comes out. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. Um, so the reason why why I called this podcast meeting of, of the great minds together is because there was a, a very small documentary that dropped a few you know maybe a week or two ago on this really small no-name network uh, called fx um that was about hillsong and carl lentz was kind of like the poster boy for for this documentary and both of you were featured in it because both of you at one point were either friends with carl at his church or working closely with carl and also people who were behind the scenes at Hillsong, New York. 
So that's crazy. I mean, just to see, I got to admit it. When I first saw both of you, I'm like, I mean, Tiff, you, you were the first person that, 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 that the documentary opened with. And I'm like, I know her, I know her. That's crazy. And then I see Janice and I'm like, I know Janice too. This is wild. So I, I wanted to really get your thoughts and we'll get into all the, the, the nitty gritty. Um, on the on the the documentary because it seems like it's it's coming across i would say controversial maybe at best right now and not for the right reasons i would say right like there's good controversy where something's exposed and you're like whoa this is a problem then there's like ooh, i'm not sure if you really hit the bullseye there so let's just start real big picture you know maybe a scale of one to ten ten being this was everything i really hoped for and and knocked it out of the park and one being it was complete bullshit and what the hell was i thinking being on this documentary you know maybe janice we can start with you because i know that that you flesh these thoughts out a lot online what would you rate this four-part documentary on fx about hillsong Ooh, um i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a four before it um yeah i don't i don't regret it mm. um i don't i don't feel it wasn't our mistake um based on what we were told and we did the right thing um so i won't i won't regret it and it wasn't all bad mm -hmm. um first of all we have to give it points because there are lots of people that i love in it and they looked amazing um the third episode was strong um dealing with mm -hmm. you know the history of hillsong and frank houston and all of that so yeah yeah strong strong four all right strong four what do you got tiff um four also is what comes to mind um the hope was a little higher but it wasn't really a I wasn't really surprised that it dropped down to a four mm. um, after the last two episodes dropped. So I was like, at least like, oh, okay, this is going somewhere. It also hasn't touched on a lot of the pedophilia and sexual abuse that has happened within church um, life, not just Hillsong Church, um, but, you know, seeped into Hillsong Church. Um, but that last episode was a doozy for sure yeah how how were were you both contacted by a producer from fx like they found you through like how did they find you how did they contact you um it was i actually spoke with alex and dan before the vanity fair article dropped last february mm. So I actually was supposed to be a part of that article, which ended up being like this very large, like four or six pages. I don't remember how long it was. Um, and they kind of kept my story um, because they were like, oh, like this is a lot bigger than just Carl getting fired mm. kind of deal. Mm. Um, so they like asked me if I wanted to like possibly do another project um, and I said, sure, because um, I had already felt comfortable enough to speak with them. Um, and then not too long after that, they said this was happening. Um, COVID was still a 
Mm, did we lose Tiff? Yeah, yep, we did lose Tiff. Uh, sorry, Tiff. One more thing. One more oh time. You gosh. said it's okay. You said what I heard last COVID. was COVID was still a thing. Yeah, COVID was still a thing and is still a thing. Um, so you know, it it took a while for us to like actually get the ball rolling. They were looking for a director. So we were. I was a part of the project before they even got Stacy involved, which was the director. Um, wow. And, yeah. And what was kind of the pitch to you? Because obviously you, you, you were a part of it. You were filmed, you know, you, you, you had enough buy-in at some point that made you say, yes, I want to be a part of this. What was the pitch that, that really got you um, involved? Well, the, the pitch was, we realized that this is way bigger than just Carl and Carl being Justin Bieber's pastor. <laughs> mm. um, they're like, there's, things happening there's abuse happening there's harm happening and it's not just within the years that carl was the pastor yeah it's grown into this bigger thing so the hope was or at least to shine a light on what's actually happening in churches or at least at hillsong and then hopefully starting in other directions with other churches, but that was basically what was pitched. They're like, the story is going to be like revolved around the people, the people that made up actually made up Hillsong church. Hmm. Got it. How about for you, Janice? How did you get involved? So this is the <laughs> third Hillsong documentary in yeah. the last three years, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so I, they started this project started kind of pitching this project like two years ago because discovery doc and vanity fair were both harvesting you know <laughs> trying to get their cast together so i initially said no to vanity fair and said yes to discovery because they both they both had basically the same contract um and it came down to the exclusivity clause for me and they both had this thing where you know you if you're part of this project then you can't tell your story anywhere else for i think it, it was i think it was initially like 18 months after the first airing of like the final episode so i was like i don't that you could never air this and like lock my story up forever also like i do podcast like i do all this stuff so you're gonna have to change this for me and vanity fair said no and then discovery said yes so they just took it out so i said all right so i'm gonna go with discovery mm -hmm. and then yeah then a year ago um vanity fair came back around and i was like well i've been in this other thing um and then they were like oh okay never mind it was right after they had found the director and so she was in new york and like meeting with people so she was like oh i'd love to meet with you and i was like well i already did because the Discovery hadn't come out yet, so they didn't know I was in that. So I was like, no, I already did that. And they were like, oh, never mind. <laughs> we don't need to meet. And then then they changed their minds. And she probably regrets it now. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> then they came back around. They're like, no, we, we really would like you to be a part of it. So then they also obviously took the exclusivity clause out. Um, and yeah, so it was pitched to me that it was going to be like, oh, we want to, you know, the director was like, we don't, we don't really understand evangelicalism and we want to kind of get beneath the surface and try to figure out like what what's going on here because it's not just hillsong like there's so much abuse in these 
in these institutions. And we really, you know, it's not just about, it's bigger than Carl Lentz. And we really want to, we want to talk to the survivors. We want to get these survivor narratives and try to, you know, yeah, just get at, get at the underbelly and figure out like what's, what's really going on. What's the allure? What's, what's the harm? And just, you know, try to make it understandable to people outside of it who don't, yeah, who don't get it. Yeah. So that was, that was the pitch to me. I mean, listen, I don't want to be like this, but I, when, when you said that, you know, they, they don't understand evangelicalism, it was like, well, yeah, I, I kind of understand that. Although I will say to give them, by the way, I, not that my opinion matters at all in this conversation, but I gave it a five in my mind, a five out of 10, because I did think that episode three was really strong, especially for 45 or an hour long, like episode about the systemic root of pedophilia um that that hill song is built on and i thought that they did a really good job with that um but and i also appreciated at least from my vantage point that they got people who really like do know this world like Kristen dumez who wrote the book jesus and john wayne she was on it you know uh caitlin uh i think her last name is Beatty, who wrote uh celebrities for jesus even though she's still kind of part of the evangelical world she's more on, on like the critiquing side of it so i i felt i was happy to see people who i'm like okay they do have some insiders and obviously they had you and some other folks who were all insiders but my biggest critique um definitely is this this trying to, to cram both the Carl Lentz, you know, mess and the Hillsong mess into four episodes is crazy. Like, how do you do that? Because they're both they're both like like ten episode documentary, you know, series in and of itself to unpack all the nuance and how deep the harm actually went. Did you feel kind of feel the same way? Was that was that why for you both it's a four out of ten? What were some of the other reasons? I I honestly think that the Carl story could have just been one episode, half mm. episode, to be quite honest. Wow. Because it's yes, he was a victim, but he was also the person that was causing harm and abuse. Like he walked into this knowing, hey, I can have power in this. Let me get close to the people that I need to. And he did it. Um, and he allowed a lot of stuff to happen, not just here in New York, but Hillsong grew huge in the East Coast. Um, and he was also speaking at other churches. It wasn't just Hillsong, New York. There was new jersey there was boston there yeah. was connecticut and he oversaw all of it so there's no like he wasn't just a cog mm. okay uh unpack that a little bit more because when i watched and remember you're both insiders i'm the person on the outside just watching this documentary right the, mm -hmm. the 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 gist i got from the documentary was carl had power carl was gonna usurp brian and then Brian had to essentially say no because I'm the I'm the ultimate top dog, and so Carl was being a, a cog in the machine, but also on, on the way to be to becoming the machine before Carl kind of snuffed it out. That's kind of the narrative that I got from the documentary. What I hear you saying, Tiff, and please, of course, correct me if I'm wrong, is that mm -hmm. Carl was like, you know, the machine at least on the East Coast side, if not, you know, outward beyond that. Is that kind of correct? 
Yeah, I mean, Carl is huge here in the States mm-hmm. and even headlined a Hillsong conference. So to even like Brian had like a day gig at the Hillsong <laughs> conference and Carl had like the main event kind of deal. So yeah. he, he didn't get bigger than they imagined he got bigger than what brian imagined Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but he was awesome he wasn't just making money off a hillsong he was making money off of other evangelical churches and other speaking conferences and opportunities and all these kinds of things so it was just a matter of time before something like this happened yeah he was yeah go ahead ahead. yeah like so it wasn't just a like Yes, he was a cog, but he was a pretty big cog at the wheel. <laughs> like, right. He was really becoming his own brand. Is that maybe an evangelical way of putting it, right? Like he was becoming his own entity that even if Hillsong cut him off because Brian didn't like him, he probably could have kept on going uh, if it wasn't for, you know, how everything completely just crashed and burned 100% and everything going on in his house and stuff. Yeah, I I believe that, to be honest. like Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Janice? Yeah, all of all of that. Um, I, I think, you know, so we, I mean, we filmed this a year ago, mm. um, and then and we knew we knew, yeah, it's spring, spring, summer, twenty twenty three. It's like okay, but like you film it and then you go on with your life and you're not really thinking about it. So like the first signs of trouble for me, and I think. It'd be the same for Tiff was when the press release came out. And that was when we found out that Carl and Laura were a part, you know, of the documentary because we didn't know that they were going to be a part of it. And so that was the first like, uh oh, oh, I don't know about this. Um, And then so we were already wary. (laughs) The director got a wave of emails then you know, with, with a bunch of us being like, hey, whoa, what what's going on here? Like, I sent her an email and I was like, I do not, I have no desire to be part of Carl Lentz's redemption arc. Like, mm. if that's what this is going to be, I'm going to tell you now. Like, I'm going to be mad about that. Mm. Um, you know, and then her response, no, no, no. We just, this is a documentary and it has to be, you know, fair and balanced. <laughs> and so, with that, I'm like, I'm fine. Fine with that. But my issue now on this side of it, like you didn't, you just brought him on and you just, you just let both of them just talk and you didn't push back on anything. Like, it's not, it's not that they were there. Mm. Fine. If they're going to tell their story, but to, yeah, pretend like they were just victims of this machine, same as everyone else. And to just let that narrative stand, that's, that's infuriating because mm-hmm. I, Tiff and I both, you know, before this on other podcasts, other things like people have heard us say, we understand. Yes, they were also victims. No one is saying they were not victimized by this system as well. But like, how are we, how are we accepting more responsibility for the places where we were villains in the system where we were complicit than they are? Like to hear them talk, to hear us talk, you might think we did more bad because we admit to it. We're like, oh, here were the issues and here were, here's where I went wrong. Mm. And here were the things that it did to me and what I grapple with and what I'm still paying for. And I'm trying to do penance for now. And they're just like, no, it all just, it just happened to us. Mm. Only bad things happened to us. And we didn't, we didn't do anything wrong. 
And that is maddening. Mm. Mm. It, it was, uh, you, you both know me, you know, I'm always trying to just like understand and like, you know, sometimes I, I get too in my head and I'm, I'm, I'm almost too nuanced at times. Right. And I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, like you said, I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, Carl admits and says that, that he was molested as a child. We believe survivors of that kind of stuff. So I believe that that's horrible. That's, that's really bad. Right. And we, I want to have empathy for that at the same time, right? what he did with that and the choices he made afterwards have left a trail of people behind him. And one of my concerns with, with how they portrayed Carl was like, they gave you just enough of like that part of like, okay, well, he said maybe a few things that makes him sound sorry, but then he mentions at one point, um, or it's when the whole nanny situation, that was when I was like, you know, um, if the nanny is claiming to have been sexually abused non-consensually by you, Carl, and you're claiming it was consensual, I I have a hard time believing you, bud, because again, we do know evangelicalism, right? Like we know how this game is played. Um, and and that was a turning moment for me where I was like, someone claiming, you know, sexual abuse is much different than someone having an affair with someone consensually, even though that is also wrong and terrible. That was a, a turning moment for me, honestly, in the documentary where I was like, I don't know um, if, if this documentary, because they kind of glossed over it. Like, oh, and, and, and P.S., the woman claims sexual abuse. Anyway, back to Carl. You're like, wait, 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 I'm sorry. What? You know, like, bump the brakes, but you can't. The documentary just keeps moving on. That part to me was pretty shocking. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the way that they pieced it together, that there it's like Carl, Laura, then me, and then Carl, Laura, and then it was just like, they missed even the entire point of why I even mentioned Leona Kimes in the first place mm. and why I was even mentioned that I was a nanny for the Kimes while she was a nanny for the lenses. Um, because it, it, I, Carl used to say all the time that in church that we, because we were saved, it didn't give us a license to sin. And that's the same, it's, it's the same thing, bro. Like you can't expect us to, and, and, and we obviously empathize with the things that has happened to him as a child, but that doesn't give you a license to be trash when you're an adult. It mm -hmm. just doesn't mm -hmm. like you have the privilege to seek professional help in many capacities and many ways in different States and different countries. Like there's no, like, like it, it, there's no like end game for him when it comes to taking care of himself and his mental health. Mm. So when I hear that, I'm just like, damn, that sucks. But you know what also sucks? What you allow to happen in your church under your leadership. Like that also sucks. And it shouldn't just be this like, oh, well, let's just all feel bad because this happened to him. Like, yes, we can, all, we can feel bad. And also at the same time, know that he was in the wrong, and, right. but he never apologized. He never said, sorry mm. in the whole documentary at all. He's mm. never, he never said, I am sorry. Like those mm. three words never came out of his mouth 
whatsoever. He said that he's apologized, but I there's never been an apology, a genuine apology for it. So it just it, it doesn't sit well with me. Like I'm we like Janice was saying, like we've taken accountability for what we did as volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like I was we I mean, I was on staff at one point, but I was a custodian. Like, <laughs> right. It's right. just like how how much do we as as women of color do we have to constantly take accountability for the things that we're doing, and then everyone else just gets a handout? Like, no, it's it's inappropriate in so many levels, and you know, like. Mama Jones wasn't off with the cues of the crying. I mean, that was perfection. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I I never met Mama Jones, but I'm like, I I love this woman. I think she's amazing. Like, I just I felt hugged by her through the screen. Something about her just exuded warmth. And when she said that about Carl crying on cue, they had the montage. Again, I I do want to give I think the uh, director credit for that. Like nod. Like hey. Just so you know, like, you know, there's there's this I there's this way about Carl where he can perform, right? Like and 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 this is again, this is why okay, folks, maybe you're out there listening, you're like, you guys are being way too harsh on Carl. Like he's obviously upset, you know, he lost everything. First off, like like you said in your uh blog post, uh Janice, define everything, right? Um, but um the reason why friends were so skeptical is because we've seen this pattern like a dozen times okay we just have we've seen people like carl he's he's not unique they rise to evangelical stardom they have all this charisma on stage they're gifted speakers they can cry all this stuff turns out they did not do any internal work right and they end up harming a lot of people they say, quote, I'm sorry in their own way. And then they say how they were victims and then they sit dormant and then they kind of start coming back. Okay. And then before you know it, they're preaching at a church again. First, Brian Houston is still preaching at churches. That man thinks he has done nothing wrong. We'll get to him in a minute. Put a pin to that. And, Car and, and Carl is saying he's not in ministry while being employed at Mike Todd's church under some you know, role of like advisor or something. And they insist it's not part of the church. It's still too close for me, dog. It's still too close. Like, like you're inching back. We all know what's going on. That's why I'm so frustrated by this. I'm imagining that's part of why you two are pretty fired up over the documentary because it didn't capture that part because they don't know much about evangelicalism as they admitted to you, Janice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I... I'm not like, I'm not even, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that Carl is back in. I mean, we knew he was back. He was in a church already. I've known from the beginning and people were like, no, no, no. He, he's been, he was too burned. He's not going back into the, I mean, he's going to come back. He's going to go back. He's lazy. He doesn't have any other skill. His tastes are too expensive. He's going back to that world. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Um, and I didn't expect, I just didn't expect a secular production, people who don't know anything about evangelicalism to like fall for his okie doke. Like I like my whole thing and the thing I was banking on was like, they don't have any reason 
to side with this man. And I think to the outside world, it's pretty apparent that this is a, a trash man. Like he's not, these are not good people. Like they're not, if you don't have the fear of God and, you know, oh my God, I think this is the leadership over me and, you know, touch not God's anointed or whatever. Yeah. Why, why would you, what would be appealing about this? So that's what I was yeah, banking on. And then for it to just go and they just accept his stories. I'm just, I'm just baffled. And like, you know, <laughs> I got on you a little bit, Tim, you know, maybe like the week before the documentary, because someone had asked you a question. Well, you know, he seems contrite about, you know, his marriage. And I'm like, don't fall for it. I've been banging this, ringing this bell for weeks. It's not about his marriage. It's not about his marriage. It's not about his marriage. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. Because then like, it makes us look stupid. Like we, these grown ass adults oh, yeah. hurt that their pastor cheated on his wife. What? No, it was never about that. It wasn't that, you know, oh, everything was perfect. And then he just just shattered all of our illusions by cheating on his wife. No one was surprised by that. That was never the point. I don't care. Like, and that's a whole other just conversation about just like the the supremacy in evangelical culture around marriage. Like we don't, who cares? And like, let's be honest, you know, he's getting all this acclaim and, oh, his wife stayed with him and that's great. Had she not stayed with him, you guys would still be forgiving him because then it would be, oh, he did his best and his wife left him and now look at him putting the pieces back together. Like it was never, it's never been about that. I don't care in the fact that they were able to twist it and make it like that and to now have evangelicals being like, but, but marriage is the main thing and that's mm -hmm. part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You guys are, are platforming this man, even even transformation, like that's what they're talking about. Well, look, he fixed his marriage. How is that a qualification for any kind of position? Mm. Like, what's happening with this marriage? That does not concern me. The problem is his marriage was just a symptom of the bigger issue. Yes, he was trash in his marriage because he was trash everywhere else and all of these things this abuse of power was happening through him and under him and has continued to spread like it wasn't just he was doing bad it's like you look at this pastor that was under him and this person that he platformed and this person that he brought up and like and it's just rife throughout this system and yeah it started in sydney it started because the soil is bad but it's like he did nothing to change it and to now right. say well i used as a child that's awful and unfortunately way too many people are and are not out here doing the same things that you've done mm. like bad things have happened to all of us all of us were part of this system like we're in this documentary because yeah. we were also in Hillsong we were also you know exposed to prone to the same disease the same abuses of power we were given little bits of power. And again, we are dealing with the places where we were complicit and, oh, these are the things that I taught and this is how I acted hmm. and having to deal with that. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a weird, it's just this weird supremacy, but also I don't know what it is, but it's like to expect, why do you expect less of him than of us? Like, I'm not a better person than Carl Lentz. Like, so if I could make a good choice, why couldn't he? But then at the same time, you know, he's 
this weaker vessel, I guess. But then also he's should be platformed and should be replatformed because he's God's anointing because he fixed his marriage because what? Like it just make it make sense. Hmm. Tiff, you're smiling over there, nodding, and your, your head might fall off. You're bobbleheading so hard. Yes, honestly, because it's honestly, I I can care less about people's marriages. I really could, um, and and <laughs> like if you learn anything about Christian theology, you learn that marriages were just contracts. Like, and they weren't even really consensual in the first place. So yeah. it's just like this, even that, like the, the root of that, I'm like, you're starting from this, like as a single woman at Hillsong church, like I really like, I, you don't get my applause because you found a partner for for life. Like you don't, you don't, because then what, what do I get in that? Mm-hmm. Because I've gotten the short end of the stick with me still being single and not married. Um, it's unfortunate that their children have to deal with that. But again, there's this privilege that there's that just lingers constantly. And they've had this privilege for a very long time. Mm. And this is not even excluding Laura because Laura's parents are pastors too. Like, She's been in the game for a long time too. Mm. So it's, it's both like, I am, it's unfortunate. Like I, I, I hate the fact that people think that it's okay to cheat on their partners. Um, if that's not a consensual agreement that you make. Right. But at the very same time, like that's not why we went to church. We didn't go to church because we saw this couple were like, oh, they have a great marriage. I want to like right. be like them. We right. went to church because we actually were looking to fill our God voided hole in our lives. Yeah. Looking to find community. Yeah. And this is what ends up happening to us. And here we are pouring out our hearts and like actually crying and sitting there for hours being interviewed and then Carl, who we know is really good at crying on cue, just sheds a couple of tears and everyone's just like, there's a saying called in Spanish and it's called, it's bendito. It's like, oh, poor you. Like that's bendito Carl. Like it, oh, you just want to hug him. And I'm like, no, I don't want to hug him. Like Mm -hmm. I also cry too. And no one's like, oh, like, oh, Tiff went there. I'm like, no. Yeah. It, it it's just really frustrating because after, for so long we trying to not just tell our stories but put it out there that not just Hillsong but churches in general have this tendency of treating people like trash and using spirituality to do that. And it's very harmful and it messes with people's psyches. And that's yeah. a huge, it's a huge issue that no one's addressing at all, but yeah. by all means, let's continue focusing that he cheated on his wife. I, I have to say um, two quick things on this. Number one, the, the documentary sets you up in the beginning because they say this isn't just a, a, a man cheating on his wife because that happens all the time. There's something deeper happening here. And it kind of betrays itself as it goes farther along and focuses on the marriage because you're right. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm, I was not at Hillsong, New York, but if I was at a church that I loved and my pastor was healthy and great and he had an affair, that would be devastating, but it wouldn't cause the kind of 
you know, reaction that so many working with Carl or under Carl have had when, when because there was other stuff happening that that wasn't the, the the source of the trauma wasn't that that Carl was unfaithful to his wife, which of course I think for anyone, especially if it's not consensual, right? Yeah, that is painful. But there's other stuff underneath the surface that led to that 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 the documentary didn't really explore, I think, deeply enough. And the other thing I want to mention, Tiff, and that, that, that I have a question for you, um, is. I cannot agree with you more on 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 the on this idea of evangelicalism. This is not unique to evangelicalism, but this is our tradition. You know, is so big on people on a stage speaking on behalf of God. That's a very powerful thing, right? When people are convinced that what you're saying is what the God of everything believes and is and and that's their standard to be held to, right? That's a, that is powerful. And, and evangelicalism, broadly speaking, has weaponized that really effectively to give people beliefs that harm other people and that maintain most of the time. And by that, I mean almost every time white straight men at the top and everything else supports that. Right. And so, you know, Tiff, my question to you is because you talked about this a little bit in the documentary. I didn't realize that that you were a pastor and that one of your like dreams was to be, you know, a, a pastor at Hillsong. And I, I want to unpack this and get your thoughts on it. I'm under the impression that that, that these so-called egalitarian spaces, right, like Hillsong, oh, we believe in that women can be pastors kind of thing. They're still patriarchal in, 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 in hierarchy. And you still have to get the approval of a man to even be considered to be a, a pastor as a woman. And if you're a single woman, your chances are even lower. And if you're, uh, you know, uh, if you're a Hispanic single woman, it's even lower. Did you experience that at Hillsong? Can you kind of unpack some of that, some of that part of your story for me? Yeah. So I actually. I don't know. Like I, ever since I was a kid, I love helping people. So that was part of the reason why I even like went to Hillsong in the first place, because I went from a Catholic church and running the youth group and being a young adult and trying to run things there, then um, saw no hope because the elders basically didn't want anything to do with the youth. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> I'm not an elder yet. Right. Um, so I, I, started going to Hillsong and I'm like, Oh, like, this is, this is it. And the thing, like I had never said from the jump that I wanted to be a pastor. There were other people around me that went to Hillsong that was like, Tiff, you're a pastor. Tiff, you're a pastor. Tiff, mm -hmm. you're a pastor. Um, and I did a lot of pastoral things. Like I, I took care of people as much as I possibly could. Um, I listened to people. I was, I wasn't just at service, but like actually present for people and helped as much as I possibly could gave of myself wholeheartedly. Um, part of the reason why I went to Hillsong college in the first place was because, well, maybe if I get this credential, then maybe I will be seen as something that can be a little higher than a volunteer. Mm. Um, my dream wasn't to become a Hillsong pastor. It was to be a pastor, period. Mm. Um, I just so happened to go to Hillsong Church. Um, but it was not a thing that I realized that was possible for me because during my Hillsong College days, it was 
very apparent that I'm really good at hospitality, as most women are um, in the evangelical world. Um, I made dinners and cheese platters and fruit platters for the pastors and made their coffees or was fearful of making their coffees because I didn't want to make them incorrectly. Mm. Um, so that's what I was subjected to. And when I came back even to the States, oh, Tiff's really good at admin stuff. Let, let's put her in admin stuff at Hillsong Boston. It was always behind the scenes and I was okay with that. I was okay with doing that because I knew that people that look like me were behind the scenes. Mm. And if I had that close proximity, then maybe, hopefully, things can change. And it didn't. And the moment that I was just deemed not uh, reliable because I couldn't go to church because I was sick anymore and was just speaking up against it, then it was just like, we're done with you. Mm. And I'm like, cool, find, I hope you find a whole group of people that can do all the things that I was doing because I literally ran things on my own. Mm. Um, so it like, yeah, I wanted to be a whole song pastor, but I, I just genuinely wanted to help people. Yeah. And that's what I equated to being a pastor is helping people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think, I think that that's really important to kind of pull out in this conversation. You know, I, I, one of the frustrating things I've realized as I've, you know, renegotiated my faith and had to deconstruct so much is that so many of these churches and Hillsong is kind of like the prototype for this model. They appear on the surface as so, you know, progressive and hip and like with the times and, you know, forward thinking, but the theology that grounds them is incredibly conservative and fundamentalist and is usually steeped in the classic evangelical, you know, hardline positions of uh, patriarchy um, or in sexuality, uh, race, etc. And a lot of people um, get hoodwinked, right? Because they think that that like in the documentary, there was the one guy, um, he's gay, and he thought that he was totally safe just to kind of say on he was he was featured on Survivor. And he mentioned that he had a boyfriend or something. And then Brian Houston is like, actually, this person doesn't exist in, in Hillsong, New York City, right? And this guy's like, I don't get it. I thought that I was at a church that was thinking, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a forward thinking way. And now I'm just erased. And that's gotta be incredibly traumatic and, and disorienting to have that epiphany when you're already embedded in the system and you realize that, Oh my God, this is a fun house and behind everything is just old rusty junk. And now what do I do? Yeah, it wasn't a, a new environment for me because that's just the the way of the world and how I have to survive essentially. Yeah. Mm. Um, I didn't think that church would be the same to be mm. quite honest. Yeah. I was hoping it would be different. Yeah. Um, because everyone's talking about loving your neighbor and welcome home and all these right. things. Right. I was like, you belong here. And I'm like, cool. Like, yeah. this is awesome. Like, I, I, I get to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I want to ask you a question, Janice, and then I want to zoom way out and then we'll, we'll start landing this plane. Um, in the documentary, uh, and I, it's, um, my memory isn't always great, but I remember them talking about um, there was some group of people who approached Carl. I think it was regarding like race relations and some other stuff. And they essentially said Carl gave a lot of lip service and nothing changed. Were you part of that group of people or do you know what actually went on behind the scenes there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was definitely part of that group. Um, I will say, like, they the they kind of conflated a lot of things. So there were two separate. There was there was a letter that was written in 2015, um, just about a whole bunch of issues, which will also tell you that like the marriage again, nobody cared. It wasn't about that. Mm. So there were people who in 2015 were talking about everything but specifically about uh, a lot of sexual abuse uh abuse of power and power dynamics in that way and then um yeah in 2016 with the election everything heating up um there was just a lot and there were you know just just black people just being murdered just over and over um, and there was just a lot of of unrest and a lot of the black community of Hillsong, especially those of us who were, you know, in leadership or close to leadership and that just having these conversations and being like, what, what is going on? Um, because yes, Carl has become the guy who says black lives matter, but you know, I specifically remember when Philando Castile was murdered, like I, because I was, you know, writing the the Connect Group, the Bible studies that were used every week, I would know who was speaking. So I would know what services I had to be in to, you know, hear the message and write the study on it. So I remember looking at the roster and seeing Carl wasn't going to be there that week. So I'm like, I can't go because I don't know who's going to be on the platform, but I know they're going to say something stupid and I can't, I can't risk it. And so like, that's where we were, where Carl will say it, but it's not his staff his staff is still not good with this. They don't care. So it was just this clear disconnect. And so, you know, people were starting to leave and people were having these conversations. So he's trying to, you know, reel it back in. So he sets this meeting with just a bunch of, of the black people. And so I was his, you know, his black whisperer. So I was his go-to person. He's like, I want to have this meeting. So basically I got to make the guest list, you know, who, who should be in this meeting. So I made the list and then I remember walking in and there were a few black guys there who were not on my list. And I was like, Oh, I see what they, like he has his team and mm. I have mine. Mm. And so from that conversation, like it was, it turned out to be a really good night. Like people, you know, when I saw he had his team at first, I was like, Oh, this might be, people might be afraid to speak up or it might just become a really polite, you know, kind of thing. Um, but no, people, people were tired. So people, people did say things, people did speak, but yeah, for the next, I'll give him a lot of credit and I'll say five weeks and it wasn't that long, but like the next five weeks, you know, there were more black people on the platform doing like the offering message and, you know, things like that. But then, you know, it just went back to, to the same old, same old. And even, even in that, 
like he's like okay we're gonna we're gonna diversify the platforms we're gonna have more black people speaking so this saturday i'm gonna have a few of you come to this this course that i'm gonna teach on like how to give an offering message and it's like we've been here for years i'm writing your bible studies i'm ghostwriting for one of your (laughs) pastors we know how to do this and these white men that you've been putting up They've never taken a class. You've never had to teach them anything. So it's like there's just this, just this supremacist attitude, right? That, oh, these guys, they don't need lessons. They, they're going to get it. But if we're going to let some of the blacks up here, we got to have a special course and, you know, hold their hand and teach them how we do things here as if we haven't been here the whole time. And so, you know, with things like that, and you, the documentary wouldn't wouldn't know that, but Right. Again, if you have something fair and balanced, just ask some follow up questions. Mm. So even, you know, when he's sitting there and you're talking about was this consensual or not? Ask him, what does he think of consent and power dynamics now? We can't do anything about the past. What what are your real thoughts on it now? Right. You know, with race. He tried to blame it a little bit on Brian. You know, oh, I wanted to do things, but, right. you know, but corporate. He would, he would. <laughs> right, right. Okay. But then at the same time, you know, when, when confronted with, well, <laughs> here's what they said. Well, no, I think, I think we, that was one of the things we were best at. Yeah. And it's like, you, how do you don't get to determine that? Right. And like that, that's when I'm like, oh, you don't, you haven't learned anything and you haven't changed because what is the harm? What is the harm in saying, you know what? I thought I did a good job, but Brian Houston was really hamstringing me. And now I can see how we just didn't handle that well and how I wish I could have done things better. But it's like you are still in full defense mode. You are still in full self-justification that you don't see how you that that was one of the things we were best at. But you don't get to determine that. And for race stuff, eh, that's whatever. It worries me more with the power dynamic thing because I'm like, what is the harm in you saying, you know what? I thought it was consensual. I see now that the power dynamics were off and that should never happen. The fact that you can't say that, won't say that, is because you want want to leave the door open for when you do this again. You also want to leave the door open because you can't, there's a lot of things he didn't say, won't say, can't say, because he's back in that evangelical world and he knows it's happening. He knows his friends, the people he's in ministry with are doing these same things. So the fact that like you have no, you have no backbone, you have no morals, you have no standard. There's nothing that you stand for because you don't want to, you don't want to admit any wrongdoing and you don't want to put a stop to it. Because you're going to do it again, and you also don't want to hurt your friends' feelings who are doing this. You don't want them to think, oh, we can't invite Carl to the parties anymore, because now he knows, you know, about power power dynamics and consent. So it's just like, this is, this is infuriating, because nothing has changed. Yeah. And you don't want it to change, because yeah. you didn't lose everything. You didn't lose anything. You just got slapped on the wrist and it was annoying for you. You lost a little bit of comfort for a minute there, but you've moved interstate at least three times. You know, y'all haven't spent a minute in an apartment, you know, the size that Tiffany and I live in. Y'all have gone from house to house. You're driving around in your Mustang. You've got your new job. Like 
nothing has happened to you. You've learned nothing. And why would you? Because the system is here to pick you up and brush you off and say, hey, come on back again because mm. you fixed your marriage. So, Right. I mean, well, the system is designed to give men like Carl the redemption story that they need to keep doing what they've always been doing. That's like what the system is designed for. And the people in this documentary, like yourselves and the others, are who the system spits out to make mm -hmm. sure that actually happens. Right. And so there is, again, like there's there's a pattern. I mean, I've been doing this work now with, with TNE. I started this account in 2020. It really took off in like middle of 2021. I've been like tracking stories like pretty much since over the past like two or three years. And like even in those two or three years, there's a there's a pattern that that you're able to see of like these high profile mega church pastor people who are rich, who are powerful, who like you said earlier had access to mental health resources. You think Carl didn't have health care? You think Carl couldn't find um an actual not a church counselor, but an actual psychologist, right? Who could work through and say, Carl, what the fuck you doing, bud? Like, you're not in any shape to be leading something like this. He could have. Right. He could have. Um, what concerns me, like you said, Janice, to your point is, you know, I, I always tell people that I think repentance is a gift where you're able to do your best to make the wrongs that, that, that you committed, make them as right as you can and live with those consequences. And I don't know... For me, repentance does not look like going back to the place that you caused harm in. And I don't know why this is so controversial for, for evangelicals. Like whenever this happens, it's the same stuff. Well, grace, forgiveness, look at David in the Bible. I'm like, guys, for the record, David's life was like destroyed after all that shit went down anyway. But, but, but that's besides the point. Like I, I'm not aware of anyone who's saying, that someone can't be forgiven or, or repent, but what it means to turn and go the other way, which is what uh, repentance is, is that you usually don't go back to what you were doing or the spaces that you were in. And when it comes to spiritual authority in particular, because again, they're speaking on behalf of God, right? That's the claim is like, I've studied God's word. I have the authority to tell you what God's word clearly says for your life. That's, uh, I mean, that is like another level of power over people. And the fact that we have so many pastors, including Carl, who have not just like, oh, Carl was mad one day and like broke a keyboard and, you know, I was mad about it, but we're over it. No, no, we're not, we're not talking about like, okay, someone like made a mistake and like did something dumb one day. We're talking about sexual abuse, right? We're talking about power dynamics in play with volunteers that like were really harmful. We're talking about people who went to Carl because they love the church so damn much saying we're really concerned about these things that are like next level scandal potential. And Carl's like pretty much, yeah, whatever. Thanks for the concern moving on. Right. So for me, it's like, guys, this is not rocket science. Like this, this isn't rocket science. Carl can go back to doing advertising. Maybe he'll find a job at Apple or Walmart. I don't know. Hopefully, yes, he knows someone who's connected somewhere. Out of all the places in the world, out of all the millions of jobs available, being back at a church, even if it's in a, quote, non-ministry capacity, which, by the way, completely defies all the, the mantra, right? That we're all in full-time ministry wherever we go, especially our volunteers. Um, You shouldn't be there, but yet he is. Because the system is designed for people like Carl to have this redemption story. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you, believe, do you believe he was in advertising? Oh, I don't know. I that's that that's what he said. <laughs> I mean, like you said, I think it was a story today you posted. I'm not sure who wears leopard print, you know, to advertising meetings, but uh, okay. I mean, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Okay, we ha- we have a few minutes left. Can we just zoom out for a minute? And I think we I I think we're pretty clear on the Carl situation, the documentary, the actual Hillsong system. Though, can we just talk about Brian Houston? I'm really <laughs> can I I don't I think the man is mentally unhinged. Okay, because I don't know how you go on an Instagram live and really try and defend. And and blame everything and everyone else but yourself for the Mount Everest sized pile of shit that is the drama and the abuse and the cover up and the money embezzlement bullshit that is the Houston family. I, I don't know how blind you have to be, but apparently it's possible because watching that live that Carl did, uh, that Carl, uh, that Brian Houston did on Instagram, I think it was either right before or right after the documentary. I was like, wow, I, I can't believe this. Do you have any thoughts on Brian Houston? Because I'm concerned for the man, frankly. Uh, Janice, we can start with you. You know, Tim, you're so sweet. That's sweet that you're concerned. For him. I'm not. Um, but it, I, I, I have, I have empathy for all of these. Like I understand. Like I think about them like like villains in a story. I'm like, why would you? Why would you do this? But then he he is the same as Carl. I'm like I can I can't I can't imagine what it would be to have devoted my whole life to this. To this is this is all I've known. This is all I've ever done. I've gotten used to people knowing me for this. Like I've built no other no other skill set, no other friend group. Like this is my whole life. And building this thing, and especially like as Brian Houston, I'm not the best speaker. I'm super awkward and clumsy. And like my the key to my success has been basically spotting talent right like being darlene checks pastor and being like just being the guy who was you know behind these powerhouses and being the guy who discovered carl lentz like and, and all of this and so then i have built this this empire i have all this money i have all this acclaim i have all of these things and then they're just gone and i don't I don't know where to go. I don't know what else to do. So, of course, I'm going to fight like an unhinged person to try to justify all of this. I mean, we know what it is just to walk away from the wing of evangelicalism we were in and to have to grapple with, oh, my goodness, these things that I believe for this long. And like, what does it what does it mean now? What do I do with with myself with my life how do I move forward from this? How do I apologize? How do I apologize to myself for the things that you know, we're all still dealing with things that, you know, we were deprived, like whatever. So we're all dealing with it. And to be, you know, how old is he? 60 something, whatever. And like, and not just that it's, he didn't change his mind, right? It's not like what we did. And we're like, oh, I looked at a few things and then I gradually kind of, you know, walked out of this at my own pace, on my own time. It's like, it was just taken and it was just gone. And so like looking at him, I'm like, oh my goodness, you you don't know how to function in the real world because you yeah. haven't had to 
long right. time. You've had people covering for you all the time. You've been this unhinged the whole time. But at some point you had a body man who would take your phone and be like, you can't go live, man. You can't. Mm. You just have to sit down and right. be quiet. Right. But for you, you know, to come out, the document had, hadn't even come out yet. Like, so you are just responding to whatever's going on in your head. Like you are deciding, well, this is probably what they're going to say. And this is what they're going to say. And so I'm going to, you know, say this. And you look like an unwell person. Like you, you are not well. And I don't know. So I'm watching it and like, I don't wish, I don't wish bad for Brian Houston. I don't wish bad for him because I don't have to. Like you guys are raping what you sow. Like this is a very Christian thing that is happening to you. And I don't, I don't know what to do other than watch it. Yeah. Just watch it happen and be glad in the sense that I mean, it's, it's vindication for us because we've been saying we've been like, yeah. this is not a healthy place and these people are not healthy and they're not doing well. And they'd be like, no, you're liars and you're naysayers and you're God haters and you don't you don't know what you're talking about. And now it's just like we don't even really have to talk about it because look at you, man. Look at you. And, you know, God bless Tim for being concerned. I'll just... <laughs> Well, like you said, you know, I don't wish um, ill on anyone. Um, I, I always hope that. I, listen, it, it's it's very unlikely. It's it's about as wishful as me hoping to to win the lottery one day. But I do hope that people like Brian eventually get a good you know whiff of the smelling salts and really come to Jesus. Uh, metaphorically speaking, and just have that moment of like, what was I, what am I doing? How did I get here? Like, I need to just really like repent. But I agree with you, Janice, when it's all you've known and your mind is formed a certain way and that cement is hardened. And then someone's coming in, coming in with a jackhammer saying it's all got to go because look what you've done. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the psych, the psychological like function of that brain it's it's not going to operate healthy and like you said his people who would take away his phone are no longer there so now we're just kind of getting what's underneath the surface of brian houston um and you know we're not it's not that new but we've discovered over the past year or two like just serious egregious errors uh that brian was a part of that would disqualify anyone from any job Except if you're a lead pastor of a mega church, because if you as a volunteer did what Brian did, or if I did it as at my old church, you know, if I was, if I ended up, uh, you know, uh, with a bad cocktail of alcohol and anxiety pills and ended up in someone else's uh, bedroom, a hotel room for 40 minutes, who was not my wife, was a female. Um, I guarantee you, I would not be back on the platform as a drummer, as a volunteer that following Sunday. Brian got a lot of money, got access to the church piggy bank, got to see some Coldplay, you know, box suite, and they got to cover up for like four or five years uh, and nothing ever happened. And now we're finding out now. And, you know, now it's a thing four years later or his DUI, whatever it is. And again, you know, I, I want to be clear to the audience. I'm, I don't think any of us are like, see, like these things, he's just, it's not, we're not saying it as like trying to prove how evil someone is. We're not trying to stack up like all these quote unquote unethical things that Brian did just to hold it against him. We're trying to prove that so often these pastors behave in ways that, that are not only are they not held to their own standards, but 
anyone else in any other position at that church who did what they did would no longer be there. But because they're the top dog and the power structure is wrapped around them, they get away with things that are crazy and that commit serious harm to real people and it gets covered up. And that's the problem, right? It's not that people do bad things. We all do bad things. We all make mistakes. We all make unwise decisions. There's no repentance. And instead, the system covers it up. And then evangelicalism in general doesn't bat an eye. They don't bat an eye. Right now, as of this recording, it's June 1st on a Thursday. There is more talk in evangelical circles that on the set of the show, The Chosen, there was a tiny ass pride flag on the camera operators like station. There's more talk about that than the fact that Brian Houston is still waiting to hear back this month if he will be convicted of covering up his father's pedophilia. I, I track this stuff all day. And I'm telling you, especially on the places that matter, that went over like a little bump, but my God, there's a pride flag on this cameraman's, you know, camera. Holy shit. We got to cancel the chosen. It's gone. It, you know, insert talking point here. That's what we're trying to point out. The priorities are so ass backwards where people like Brian can cover up their father's pedophilia for decades, finally face the consequence of the law and evangelicalism goes, nah, eh, no one's perfect. We all make mistakes, but a, a damn pride flag on a camera it sends them all into a tizzy i how do you, i can't be in that world anymore you know it, it doesn't work it's it's unethical hashtag yeah. and rant <laughs> sorry kind of went off no, there no but. it's Jesus. it's it's true and the thing is too like it's an, it wasn't just brian that did this yeah. for years right there mm -hmm. are people that were on the board that are elders that are a part of other churches that knew about this. And they're like, but you, we as Hillsong college students couldn't have sex. Right. right. <laughs> we couldn't masturbate. Like we right. couldn't have watched porn, like, right. and all of these things because, and I'm like, I, so you can literally sweep harmful abuse, like dangerous abuse, Onto the rug, but you're like, I, I don't understand why people, especially Christians are so obsessed with other people's sex lives Yeah, because it's honestly, it's none of our damn business. What people are doing unless they're harming people. Right. Right. It, yeah. it just, yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't. There's a thing that Carl, Carl used to say, he said, you know what? what walks in you will run in your people. And it's like this idea that like, whatever, whatever you as a leader are are doing, it's gonna, it's gonna filter out in your people. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that is correct. Um, but like, I'm, I think about it now and like the further out I get from evangelicalism and I'm like, Oh, as, as always, <laughs> I think, you know, the culprit ultimate villain is racism. It is white supremacy. There is, there was a line in there, you know, when they were talking about, Frank Houston and you know when one of the one of the guys told I think his mom what had happened and she's like you can't say it. like Frank Houston is a good man like that can't that can't be true right and it's like the idea that white men have to be good like they cannot 
they cannot deal with the society is not ready to deal with the idea of a white man not being good. And so whatever has to be covered up, whatever has to be forgiven, whatever grace has to be extended, we have to do that because white men have to be good. But if they're not, and if we start holding them accountable, if we start looking at what they're doing and what they've done and how that's affected people, yeah, it's going to get too big and we're going to go. It's just, it's going to disqualify too many white men and then what do we have women women running things people of color <laughs> right letting them do things so it's like especially especially in evangelicalism right now like this is this is their last hope like yeah. this is the last place that is not critiquing white men that yeah. is you know pulling out all the stops to offer them the grace and the forgiveness and the covering so they get to say well Nobody's perfect. So we should be allowed to keep doing this. We have to, we have to, we have to be here. We have to be good. White men have to be good. So whatever, whatever it takes, whoever we have to run over, whoever we have to disregard, whoever we have to not listen to, that's just what we've got to do. Because if white men lose this, that's it. Like yeah. game over. So like even with, you know, all of this with, with the chosen, you know, we see how they're treating the queer community right now. And it's like that is the people that you are targeting are not the issue. Whatever we're talking about, whether it is sexual abuse in churches, in evangelicalism and Catholic like wherever we're talking about it. If it is mass shootings, like all these big issues, who are the culprits? Who are the main offenders and why are we not anything else? If it, I guarantee you, if it was black people doing mass shootings, they'd be rounding them up. They would be taking our guns. Like it would be no question. Like you think about, you know, World War II and the Japanese internment camps. Like it has never been, the United States has never had a problem being like, nope, this group is trouble and this is what we're going to do about it. But it's like in all these different areas, White men are the main offenders. And then it's white men excusing white men and saying, no, 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 no. It's, you know, yeah. it's fine. It has to be fine. These are good men, not because they're good men, but because they have to be. This mm. is the standard. And they have to be good. Yeah, no, I think that that's really on the money. Um, any final words for, for, from you, Tiff, on, on anything we talked about? Um, no, I'm just, I'm... So pissed and frustrated that so many people um, were able to resign. <laughs> no way they did. Yeah. yeah, like just this, and and it was glossed over because obviously it was only four episodes, and you know, even outside of the documentary. But there has not been anyone that has taken any accountability for anything, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, there's been some really cutesy Instagram posts that are posted, but the comments are, you know, disabled. Um, it's, it's just infuriating, um, to see that this is still happening and that Hillsong is still a thing. Like, yep. Yep. it's, it's just infuriating and people are still going too. I know. I know. I, it feels like, like the ultimate gaslighting when you hear these people talk. 
you're like, what are you like, you know, it's been a hard season for us. It's been really difficult for us to get through this. And, you know, things were just misconstrued because the media hates us. And, you know, they say in the Bible that, you know, when you're persecuted for Jesus' sake, this is what's going to happen. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I didn't realize what a master manipulator cult leader you are, actually, because this is what cult leaders do, right? They twist and they use Again, the the God card to deflect and justify why they're under attack, even though they're the ones who are the source of of the harm, right? I mean, yeah. without Brian Houston, without Carl Lentz, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. So they can say all they want about how it's someone else's fault, but without them, this conversation ain't happening because they're at the center of so much of this nonsense that we're currently talking about, right? But yeah. it, it's wild. Yeah. Um and I, ju- I honestly, I just want them out of New York. I'm tired of them being here. Mm. Like, as a New Yorker, yeah. I'm just over it. Like, just over it completely. Like, it's, it's, they've disrespected enough people yeah. to just have like a final end game. Like, and that's what I'm hoping for, to be quite honest. Yeah. And that's what I said. The last thing I said before my interview, my, eight hour long day my interview is three hours long the last they were like do you want to say anything else and i was like the only way that i would ever set foot into a hillsong church is if it's on the last day and i'm turning off the lights Mm. like that's that's it and like i'm i'm tired of seeing people that i love and care about turning like blue in the face because we're saying the same things over and over and over again. Um, it's heartbreaking to get DMS all the time with people from other churches, other Bible colleges DMing me and saying, I've been through something similar. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, it's also frustrating when you see things and hear people say, well, did you actually believe we got in the first place? And I'm like, catch me outside like right. that's right <laughs> no totally it's yeah. it's a really frustrating game um to play and you know at at the ending of it it's it is life or death and that's what it was for me and it was for a lot of people and still is unfortunately and it i would love to see an end game yeah to be honest for the sake of people's sanity because i know what it's like to have depression and anxiety and not feel stable and have people tell me, well, you're not stable, but we're not going to be there for you. Cause that's not real community. I found real community here and, and doing these things and speaking up. um, And I just hope that anyone listening, whether they feel like speaking up or not, but that they know that they they are strong and they have been and you don't need to be courageous to speak up but that if something's wrong it's wrong and it needs to be said and if you have the privilege and the opportunity to say hey that's wrong you shouldn't be doing that then do that Hmm. because not everyone has this opportunity to do that and not be called a liar yeah like i need people to step up I need these pastors to be like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not only going to resign, but here are all the receipts. 
here's all the emails. These are all the things that happened under my leadership. This is what this person did. That's what I need. Yeah. And then I need someone to pay for my therapy and my medication because it's just too damn high. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, they like, and I do yeah. think ultimately my, my conspiracy theory is that the production team got played. Um, I think they signed Carl and Laura and expected receipts and then they just didn't, didn't produce them. And then they were just kind of, kind of trapped there. Mm. Um, but the good news in all of this is that evangelicalism is dying. Um, and again, like I said at the beginning, I don't, I don't go looking for trouble. Um, and I have, you know, my feed is pretty well curated. So I haven't seen any, there's no justifiers, you know, coming on my posts or on my page. I'm sure they're out there, but like, I don't think, I don't think the, do I don't think the documentary changed anyone's mind on anything. Mm, yeah. Um, I think the people who were going to die on the hill of no, they've, they've been forgiven and whatever they were going to do that anyway. I think it gave a lot of people, people who may have been on the fence or whatever. Like it was just so ridiculous in the end. I think a lot of people just saw, saw Carl and Laura for who and what they are. And also it just brought up questions about their own experiences. Um, so ultimately I think, you know, the net, it's probably net neutral, honestly. Mm. And it, if not in the worst way, then it might have been a little bit net positive because it did ex-evangelicals, ex-hillsongers, I think, came out looking better to the general public yeah. than Carl and Laura. Like I said, the people who were going to die on that hill and were already mad at us, that was always going to be right. anyway. Right. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it swayed anyone. Either way, I think it just it just gave everyone more justification for what they already yeah. thought and felt. I, I definitely don't see any pitchforks and evangelicalism being raised up anytime soon. You know, uh, being like, Brian, we demand answers. You discipled our churches for 20 years. You know, like like you've embedded your system into so many churches. I don't see that being a thing at all. But I do think, like you said, Janice, to your point, it, it will give people... Um, who are curious and are who are understanding way more empathy and understanding for why so many people um, are so loud about what happened and why they're not relenting, right? Because it's not just about someone's marriage. It's not just about someone had an affair. There's so much more beneath the surface. So I, I totally agree. Um, well, friends, I mean, I really appreciate you making time. It means a lot. Uh, where can folks find you? Uh, Tiff, uh, are you, do you have a, a public platform, Instagram, Twitter? Do you want to plug any of those channels? I am. I am on Instagram, um, Tiff, Tiff, two, four, six. Um, I have a public page. If you want to DM me, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, like repost. I mostly post me walking with music, um, and go on tiny rants. Um, I am not active on Twitter, but good for you. Don't do it. <laughs> not the worst. I, I have to. <laughs> Horrible. All right. How about you, Janice? Yeah, you can ask ask Instagram about me at God is not given, and you'll find all the things, like it or not. Okay, but you have a great blog. You have a couple of different podcasts that you do. So it's not just the Instagram think, page. Like, but like from there, you can find all of those things. That's like the portal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Come Got find it. me there. Hit my link tree. 
but yeah, start with Instagram. And then if you want more, hit the link tree. And if <laughs> Instagram is too much, feel free to keep, keep on scrolling. Keep it moving. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, friends, it was honestly great talking to you again, as always. I'm sure I'll see you in the city soon. So thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. Oh, wait, not that. No, wait, wrong button. I need to stop recording. I need to stop recording.